Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be speaking with Father Richard Gibbons, who is the parish priest of Knock, Ireland, this Marian shrine where Our Lady appeared many years ago. And so happy to share with him and to hear from him about the story of Our Lady of Knock. So welcome to the show, Father Gibbons. Thank you very much indeed, Edward. Thank you very much. Yeah, so Father, you are the parish priest of Knock, and sometimes when I talk with people of shrines, they are called the rector. So would you be considered the rector, or why would you be called the parish priest of Knock? Yes, well, I I have two roles. I'm, I'm uh, the parish priest of an ordinary parish in the west of Ireland that happened to uh, be blessed with the apparition of Knock itself. And then we have our national Marian shrine, arising out of that apparition, and I'm also rector of the shrine. So I have two hats and two roles in this job. Uh, because the apparition, uh, one of the very few that appeared at the parish church, Lourdes, that didn't happen in Lourdes, didn't happen in Fatima, or indeed any other uh, um, parish church in, 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 in the world, really, apart from one or two exceptions. Um, so here is an exception. So when somebody is appointed to be rector of the National Marian Shrine, you also are appointed as parish priest of the local parish. So you have two different roles then for the local people of Knock, but also then care for all of the pilgrims who have come from all over the world to visit this place of Marian apparition. That's right. That's right. Now, can you share just a little bit about the story of Knock? You know, so many people are familiar with the story of Fatima and with the story of Lourdes and many of the other Marian apparitions. People uh, listening to this podcast will know about the apparition in Champion, Wisconsin, that I'm the expert on. But what can you share about the story of Knock? Well, very simply, um, 141 years ago, 1879. It was a Thursday evening in August, on the 21st of August, 1879, a Thursday evening, and it happened to be raining, which is no great big surprise for this part of the country, I can tell you. Uh, on that evening, people were returning to their homes and working around their homes because it was coming into harvest time. And late in the evening, about maybe 8 o'clock or so, a light was seen by the local villagers, right, dotted right around the, 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 um, the vicinity. And they saw this light, and they became intrigued, and then word spread that there was a light at the at the parish church. In fact, one farmer who was working in his field on his own uh, looked over at the church and thought it was on fire and went to get help. And uh, so everybody came from around to have a look to see what was going on. And they saw in front of them Our Lady, St. Joseph, St. John the Evangelist, an altar a lamb, and a cross, and hovering around the altar were what they appeared, what they said were reported later as as, as winged creatures or, or angels, you might, which is, uh, which is what everybody took them to be. Uh, so it was quite an intricate um, and, and almost a very complex apparition. Uh, it lasted two hours. In the rain, nothing was said. And uh, when people were looking on, they got wet, of course, because it was raining. But the gable wall which, at which the apparition was, was taking place was completely dry, as was the ground. And uh, so it lasted two hours and then just simply vanished, simply disappeared. And uh, out from that, then people, obviously, the, 
while while in, in, at that time there was a land war going on with the with the British and uh, secret societies and revolutionary groups and all that kind of thing, um, and also many famines. Apart from the Great Famine of 1847, there were smaller famines in the West of Ireland. So times were very, very difficult, very, very rough. And these were very simple people, but they, it didn't mean that they were unintelligent and uh, that, they, that they just hung around for any old thing because they had things to get on with in their lives. So uh, they, what they saw obviously left an indelible mark. And a commission of inquiry was set up within months of the apparition. And their testimonies, 15 official witnesses came forward. Now, more more than 15 people saw it. We know that. But sometimes people didn't come forward in those days because they were afraid of authorities. They were afraid that it might have repercussions in terms of their land ownership or in terms of access to markets and a whole raft of other political situations. So, But 15 did. 15 came forward to a commission of inquiry and gave their testimony. And the testimony was accepted as trustworthy and satisfactory. Um, so after that then, of course, there were still a lot of people that said that they didn't see anything at all and it was all all nonsense. And uh, uh, But over the years then, um, a second commission of inquiry was conducted in 1936 on the, uh, uh, just before the last three witnesses died. And the last three witnesses to give their... their um, testimony corroborated exactly what they had said in 1879 and um, one in fact one lady who died within weeks of giving her final testimony in 1936 said that she was no she said basically I know I'm going to see my God and if I was making this up I'd say it now so that I would be at peace uh, she said what I said what I saw was true that's all I can say about it and um, so she died within a couple of weeks so uh, it was interesting, then from 1935-1936, the shrine took off in terms of, really in terms of promotion of the shrine and in terms of visit, visitors and pilgrims coming. And that's right down, increased right down to today. So the apparition is a silent one. Mary doesn't say anything. John and Joseph don't. The, the lamb is there on the no. altar. Uh, what do you think is the significance of the apparition? What should we take away? What's the appreciation that we should have for this uh, moment in which really heaven opens up and all of these witnesses are able to see the glory that is before them? Mm-hmm. I think the, it's, it's, in fact, it is, it is, the message of Knock has never been more pertinent than today, in fact as we're all going through the pandemic, is that at, at a time of distress, of, of, of discomfort and of, of dread, really, and fear, that God walks with us. God never leaves us alone. He, he, he's, he's with us, and he's showing to us that he cares for us. Because in those days, there was, like I say, a land war going on. There were people starving. Uh, there were, the place was in, in great upheaval. And um, this was heaven and earth uniting to show the people that not to lose hope don't be discouraged god loves you god will walk with you will always be with you and at the very end of the day he's he will welcome you onto the shores of eternity 
Very beautiful. You know, in my own reflection on the knock apparition, I've often seen it as kind of an image of the domestic family in the sense that there you have Joseph, who is the first one to take Mary into his home at the instruction of the angel. You have John the Beloved, who takes Mary into his home. and But then you have the Eucharist with the Lamb on the altar glorified, a call for prayer, and Mary's presence, her intercession. So I've always seen that, too, as an image of, of the domestic church uh, through this knock apparition. Yeah, yeah. Now, is oh, it absolutely. Tr- yeah. Is it true that this Archdeacon Kavanaugh, who was the, the parish priest at the time, that he conducted a series of Gregorian masses for all of the dead of the parish, and then the next day was this apparition? Is, um, I've been told yeah, that. That's, that's right. No, they weren't Gregorian. They were just masses. They, they were, they were, he, he, he decided 100 days that he would say for 100 days a mass for the faithful departed, for the holy souls. And so he conducted that, and it just happened now, whether it was a coincidence or whether you read something into that as well, uh, maybe the case. He, he never dwelt on it too much, Archdeacon Kavanagh, uh, but he did say it was significant that on the day that he finished the last of the 100 Masses, the 21st of August, that that's when the apparition appeared. So um, he had... He had uh, a great, uh, I suppose, uh, if you like, devotion to pray for holy souls for for those that have no one to pray for them and those that maybe have forgotten and and they're of course they're never forgotten by God and uh, the mass is an extremely powerful prayer and I think maybe that's the importance of the shrine itself. It's not just a Marian shrine; it's a Eucharistic shrine. At the centre and heart of the apparition itself is the altar, the Lamb, and the cross. Uh, even Our Lady and St. Joseph St. John are over to the side. When you're looking right at it, they're over to the side. They're to the, they're to the left. Um, and at the center and heart is the Eucharistic sign. Uh, so the Mass is always significant. It's the greatest prayer that we have. It's a powerful prayer. And it's what unites the Church. And of course, it's the source of so much as the, as the Second Vatican Council tells us of our worship. Um, so... Um, that that is significant. Uh, Archdeacon Kavanagh wrote about it, of course, but um, he he never kind of probably to say he he never overemphasized because the man was a very humble man. He didn't want to kind of give the impression. Well, it's because I said one hundred masses that Our Lady appeared. Do you know what I mean? Sure, definitely. It, 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 he didn't want he didn't want the emphasis being put on himself. So that's why he underplayed it. But of course, it's very significant. Now, the anniversary of the apparition is August 21st, but you just had the feast day on August 17th. Why is it that yeah. the feast kind of in the universal church or the memorial would be on a different day than the anniversary of the apparition? Uh, because we're not as important as St. Pius X. <laughs> sure. <laughs> on the 21st of August, uh, that's, that's the date of the apparition, that's the anniversary, but it's also the feast day of um, Pope St. Pius X. So there would be no way of getting uh, the Feast of Our Lady of Knock put on the, on the same day. That was already occupied. So when the national, when the, when the hierarchy here applied to Rome for a feast day, they took the nearest available date, and that was the 17th of August. And now pilgrims have been coming to the shrine for, for years, for you know over 100 years, 141 years since the apparition. And a lot of these places, of course, Lourdes is known for healing. Lots of places that have Marian apparitions are known for healing. Is that one of the graces, or what do you think some of the graces that pilgrims receive by coming to Knock? What are those graces? 
Right. I, well, I, you're quite right to point out, Lourdes is the water. It's the, it's the whole idea of that even physical healing is powerfully attached to Lourdes. Uh, here uh, in Knock, it is reconciliation. It's forgiveness. Uh, we have a wonderful ministry of confessions here. I call it our engine room. Our confessional is our engine room. That's really where the miracles happen down there. That's where people come to get healing and peace and reconciliation with the Lord. And you can even see it when they come out. They may have been away for 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, they just feel drawn in. Uh, we, we don't interrogate them, obviously. And uh, um, our confessors are very specifically well chosen to be as kind and as open as the sacrament uh, is, is, is that powerful that we want people to have a wonderful encounter and to go out refreshed in the graces that come from, from a good confession. So for us, it's the confessional. And it's that sense of peace and healing and hope. Now, you've been a knock for a number of years. Uh, according to the bio that I read online, you were the curate for a number of years before being appointed the parish priest. So you've spent a lot mm-hmm. of your ministry there in knock. What's been the biggest blessing of your life as you've ministered to both the parishioners of knock but also the pilgrims? I, I think it's actually the dual nature of the job itself because the parish keeps you rooted on the ground. Uh, you, you, you don't lose, as we might over here, you don't lose the run of yourself. Uh, you're, you're, you're very rooted in terms of the ordinary lives of ordinary people and their ordinary everyday lives, and uh, that keeps you in, t- in terms of um, connection with people and all of that. Uh, that then coupled with the national profile of the shrine itself, and indeed the international profile of the shrine, we are just after um, a papal visit two years ago, 2018, and so you, you have that dimension, and that dimension gives a higher profile to the shrine, of course, and you're, 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 that's another dimension of your work. But I, I think it's the dual nature. Um, you need to be kept rooted so that you can appreciate what all the people are going through in order to receive the full potential of what a shrine can do for ordinary people when they visit here. You should never lose sight of that. That's uh, Because people come with all sorts of different, all sorts of levels of faith, all different conditions of life, and all raft of different worries and cares and energies, as well as as well as hopes and and thanksgivings and um, but there's no doubt about it ordinary everyday life will, will will help you to never lose sight of that of course we're in the middle of a worldwide health pandemic with covid 19 and the coronavirus and I've been following knock on social media participating in some of your prayer services with the the live stream of the rosary or other masses that you've had and how has the pandemic affected uh, your pilgrimages, and how do you view it as an outreach or an opportunity through social media now? Sure. Well, at the beginning, uh, we, we had our technology here at the Shrine, thankfully. We, we might have been very, very lucky this way. Our, all our technology is quite sophisticated and, and up-to-date because we had to have everything in place for the papal visit, and we're just after re, um, uh, renewing our, our basilica refurbishing it there, uh, uh, rededicated uh, uh, in, ni- in 2016. So all our technology was very, very up-to-date. Um, and we immediately switched over. Because of lockdown, nobody could go anywhere, churches were closed. But we began to see an extremely high profile internationally for the shrine. And that just kept growing. And we were fascinated. In fact, we were really taken aback. Um, why would people want to tune in? But we, we kept our masses going. We had music constantly. 
uh, in all our masses. Uh, we have a wonderful director of music here, and uh, she's a beautiful voice. And, and uh, short, brief homilies. There are nothing like them. Short, brief homilies. No waffle. That's very, very critically key for people to, 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 to stay with you as well. Um, so uh, that seems to have, that seems to catch on with people. And the fact that we were broadcasting mass from the shrine. So that grew and grew and grew. And, uh, but it, it certainly has changed the landscape for us. Our, our pilgrimage season has wiped out. We still have people coming. In fact, more people coming now than, than we actually expected. Uh, we're able to cope with that because we have over 100 acres of, of grounds, um, innumerable buildings and a massive basilica and all of that. They're able to co cope and cater for people. But on the 15th of August, unfortunately, uh, we would, on a normal year, we would have over 20,000 people just for that one day. We would start confessions at 5 a.m. with walkers coming to knock, which is the tradition here. Our first Mass would be at 6, and throughout the course of the day, we'd have roughly around 20,000 people until our final rosary procession later on that night. So we felt we, we, we would never be able to, even though numbers had dropped significantly, we would be still seeing thousands of people arriving and we wouldn't be able to cope with that. So, unfortunately, we had to close the shrine and put our masks online only for that day. Uh, that was a huge heartbreak for us. My God, that, 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 that really caused us uh, oh, a, lot of, a lot of searching uh, to do that. Uh, but we, we did it because it was necessary for health and safety because COVID numbers have increased again here in this country. And we have to be very conscious of people's physical health as well as spiritual well-being. So, uh, but it has changed our dynamic. It has changed our outlook. And uh, I think going forward, it, technology will be massively important to us as we seek to evangelize according to the way that Pope Francis wants us to do and also in the light of uh, what the great St. John Paul II wants us to do too. Wonderful. Yeah, I know I've benefited greatly by praying with the people at Knock and at your shrine there. So, so hopefully others will continue to benefit and find that as well. Now, one of the things I like to do with uh, all the guests that I have is just to run through kind of a, a rapid fire series of questions about their devotion to the Blessed Mother, just to show that that Marian devotion isn't the same for everybody; that it's unique and uh, there's a different flavor for for all people. So. Of course, Mary is a woman of many names. She has different titles. Is there a particular title of Mary that you favor? Yes, there is. Mary, help of the sick. Sure. And of course, health of the sick. We need that intercession right now, especially uh, as right. so many people are afflicted with the coronavirus. Now, there are lots of Marian sacramentals, the rosary, the scapular, miraculous medal, yeah. all of these different sacramentals. Is there a sacramental that you make use of? There is indeed the scapular. Okay. I found. Okay. Scapular has been, yeah. The, the 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 from my youth, I've always held the scapular. Wonderful, and lots of people they find it difficult to pray the rosary. They might find it monotonous, repetitive. They might think that they don't engage the prayer of the rosary. So, is there a tip that you might be able to offer to help people engage that prayer better? Um, with the rosary, yeah, you really. Um, I, I think one of the key things is not to draw it out too long. Uh, even in terms of, like, there's a very distinctive way that you can, <laughs> between between a rapid-fire, almost machine-gun-like kind of approach and um, a very, very lengthy, drawn-out 
um, approach as well. That 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 can take quite some skill. But I think if you could, if you can centre that, um, you 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 would be doing well. Um, uh, just a short little snippets of scripture between each of the decades as well, uh, always help. There's lots of accounts of Mary in the sacred scriptures. We meet her, of course, in Luke's Gospel prominently. Uh, is there any favorite Marian passage or verse that you might employ? Yes, um, I, 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 I really love the one uh, where she visits Elizabeth and she gives the greeting. And the child leaps in, in Elizabeth's womb, John, John the Baptist. Because our parish church is dedicated to St. John the Baptist. Uh, so that's that is a great there's a huge significance in all of that for us here in Knock. So that's the I like that the the child left in the womb prefiguring uh, the the momentous radical nature of Jesus' ministry to humanity. Beautiful. This might be kind of an ironic question to ask you as the parish priest and rector of a Marian apparition site, but a favorite Marian apparition. Oh. <laughs> You're, you're, you want me now to go into the opposition, is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good That's a good way of yeah. saying it. You know, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite Marian apparition? And I've, I've written yeah. a lot theologically on this apparition in Champion, Wisconsin, and so people would expect me to yeah. say that, but I've been to Lourdes four or five times. I've been to Knock. I, yeah. I just love those apparitions, yeah. too, in Borang in Belgium. But, yeah, so, of course, oh. you can say Knock. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, I... I, I, I I like I like Fatima. I like that. It kind of it reminds me very much of Doc, even the layout of the shrine and all the rest of it. Uh, uh, so I, I like Fatima. Yeah, maybe here's here's a question. Growing up as a young boy, and then as you became a priest, did you have a familiarity and a devotion to Knock already, or is that something that you cultivated later in life, especially through your priesthood? Well, I answer that in two ways. Number one, I had a, g- a great devotion to Knock. We we were brought to Knock as children here. Uh, everybody in this country was brought to knock as a child. Whether you wanted to go or not was another thing. But uh, you were brought, you were, you were, you were, you were brought, brought to knock. Uh, but as a young man, uh, something happened to me physically. I, I, my knee was very badly damaged, my knee. But I came to knock to pray because I had to work during the summers uh, as the, for, for college. So um, um, I prayed, and and I have great devotion to knock because I. I I didn't receive a spectacular healing. Now I just asked the Lord to maybe to hurry up the healing, if you like, if you like. Um, but um, uh, I always have great devotion to Knox since then. And then when I became a priest, Knox was the last place I wanted to work because it it, it, it is an enormously um, draining place. Uh, any shrine will tell you. Any priest and any shrine will tell you this. Uh, the workload is enormous. Um, you probably know this yourself, anyway. Um, and also. Uh, you're, you're tied down completely from a season from Easter until the end of October, and there's huge, there's just huge amounts of work to be done. So, but not wanting to be appointed to knock, I was appointed to knock, and I think it was transformative in my in my life. And I know, and I'm hand on my heart, I would work nowhere else but knock at this stage. Beautiful. Uh- there are lots of books about the Blessed Virgin Mary that people read. They, some have been written by saints. Others are written by contemporary authors. Is there a book about Mary you'd recommend? Um, well, there's, there's a wonderful book on, on, on the apparition here that I would recommend by uh, Monsignor Michael Walsh. Now, you can get that in our bookshop or, or online. Uh, but it gives a great, it gives a great uh, insight into the shrine itself. And then there's one other one. It's a very practical book 
Bondock itself once again, uh, called Providence My Guide by Dame Judy Coyne. Now, Dame Judy Coyne was uh, a formidable lady who set up with her husband, Liam Coyne, uh, the Knox Shrine Society, which really gave a huge impetus in terms of volunteerism here at the Shrine, the promotion of the Shrine and all of that. But she, she discusses how Providence played such an enormous role in her life and how Mary played such an enormous role in her life. Um, she was an incredible woman. Uh, so if you want to know a little bit more about Knox and about Mary and Our Lady of Knox, there are the books I'd recommend. Wonderful. And lastly, as you celebrate Marian Masses for the Assumption, for the Immaculate Conception, all these different Marian feasts we have, is there a song that you always hope that your choir yeah. will sing? Our Lady of Knock. <laughs> sure. And that's a very beautiful song that people can listen to by Daniel O'Donnell or by Dana? No, no, no. By, by Dana, yeah. By yeah. Dana. Okay. Uh, yeah. D- Dana, Dana composed it and... and uh, and uh, uh, and compose the whole the whole hymn, and we we our our scholar here at the shrine sings it magnificently. We, in fact, uh, an interesting thing we it was sung for the first time in St Peter's in Rome at the end of January last on the la- for the for the Sunday dedicated to the Word of God by Pope Francis. We were invited to Rome, as was the pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Knock and as were, were our parish to become involved in the Mass itself. It was an extraordinary uh, invitation, uh, historic in terms of the shrine, and just to hear Our Lady of Knox got sung by our own, uh, our own scholar, our scholar cantor in Basilica, our, our own scholar from the Basilica, uh, in the vastness of St. Peter's, it, put, it would put the hair standing in the back of your head. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that song myself. You know, I have a, a connection to Knock in the sense that I think the very first image of Mary that I ever acquired, I was a little boy or, you know, a young teenager, whatever, and for whatever reason, I found myself at a rummage sale, and they had this picture of Mary, and it was the apparition of Our Lady of Knock. And uh, so I ended up acquiring it, and, and I've always had it. I've had, I had it in my bedroom as a child, and now it's in my living room at my house, and uh, also, too, just to share with you, your book, a Knock Prayer Book, uh, which you compiled oh, yeah. lots, lots of different prayers, uh, was actually a big inspiration to me that I had done all these different oh. devotions <laughs> for the Champion Shrine in Wisconsin, yeah. and I brought them all together in a pilgrim prayer book, and uh, your book really served as the inspiration for that. When I saw that, I ordered it, and I'm like, well, this is what I want to do for the shrine oh. here, and so I ended up putting fantastic. it together. So maybe I'll send oh, you a fantastic. copy of well, you, 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 I was just going to ask you that, uh, Edward. I was just going to ask you. You might send me over a copy of that. I'd love to see it. You actually appear in the acknowledgments because your book was <laughs> an inspiration. So I do need to send you a copy, and now this is the good opportunity for me to do so. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. That would be lovely. That would be fantastic. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Father Richard Gibbons, for talking with me today about Our Lady of Knock and this apparition and the anniversary on August 21st. Uh, if people want to learn more about the Knock Shrine, how can they do that? Very simple. Google knockshrine.ie and everything is there. Knockshrine.ie. And you can find them on Facebook as well and participate yes, in a lot of their live uh, masses and stuff as Absolutely. well. That's right. And on our website, the live stream, uh, everything is on, including historical documents, bringing you through the history of the place, um, all the, the whole wide range of different aspects. The, the, the website is very interactive, and uh, so you can find 
everything there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was a great honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you. And uh, I wish you blessings in all of your ministry uh, during this COVID-19 as you continue to welcome pilgrims as you're able. Thank you very much, Edward. And I really appreciate talking to yourself. And I wish you every blessing. And I just want to say that we will not be forgetting yourself and your listeners uh, in our prayers here and off. We will do that during the Uh, course of these few days that we're praying a novena together so we remember you all yes and i am praying that novena myself as well because i am devoted to knock so thank you so much father thank you for tuning in to our very special conversation today with the rector of knock ireland father richard gibbons mentioned earlier in the interview was the song our lady of knock which was written by dana each week on how they love mary you hear the voice of Anna Nuzzo as she sings the opening intro to our program, How They Love Mary. She sings it much better than I do. Anna anticipates the release of a Marian album later this year in which she sings many of the popular songs associated with Mary's apparitions and their shrines. She has sung Our Lady of Knock. And as a little teaser, today you are blessed to hear her sing the refrain of the song, Our Lady of Knock. Let's take a listen. They were people of all ages Gathered round the gabled wall Poor and humble man and woman Little children at your call We are gathered You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you don't mind, please do me a favor. Rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. Leave a review. Share why you like this podcast. Share this podcast on your social media so that your family and friends might come to know the love that the Mother of God has for them, just as you have experienced it yourselves. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.